Welcome to the Movie Planet. This week, we talk about Rogue One, a Star Wars story from 2016. With Joe. You're a hard man to find, Galen. But farming. Really? Man of your talents? And JC. Be careful not to choke on your aspirations, director. And Joel. The transmission we received. What is it they've sent us? Help. I'm your host, Joe, and with me is the Governor Tarkin to my Orson Krennic. JC. I've aged well. Yes, you have, I've son. aged very well. And joining us again is our Darth Vader, Joel. Wow. Who had yes. the best scene ever. This week, we saw the movie Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. The first of the spin-off Lucasfilm movies. Had a lot riding on its shoulders. A lot riding on its shoulders, starring Felicity Jones, Diego, Diego Luna, Alan Tudyk, who you love. Oh, so good. Uh, Donnie Yen, Win Jang. Ben Mendelsohn, Forrest Whitaker, Riz Ahmed, Mads Mikkelsen, Jimmy Smits, and James Earl Jones back as Darth Vader, as back as he could be. Yeah. Uh, the film begins with the traditional text in a galaxy far, far away, but instantly leaps to the action. No opening crawl. No opening crawl at all. No heading. No int- and I do love that about Star Wars movies. I love that you don't get the like name of the movie and then starring and like you got to go through the whole credits before you watch the movie. I genuinely love that you just start watching the movie. Lucas pissed off a lot of people in 77 when he started doing that. I think it's bloody brilliant. They, 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 he, he went up against a lot of pushback from the writers guilds back then because they were like before those before then movies traditionally put all that credit beforehand. Yep. And when he did it opposite his whole thing was, this is my movie. I can do whatever the hell I want. Yeah, I was going to say, that's <laughs> the whole reason why he never joined the guild. Yeah. Uh, this is set during the early years of the Galactic Empire. An Empire ship lands on a planet, Prometheus style. Yeah. Uh, it looks beautiful. <laughs> e- everything in this movie looked beautiful. Lyra Urso runs off to warn her husband, Galen Urso, and their young daughter, Jin Urso. Lyra calls Saul Guerrera and tells him that they have come. Clearly, these people are wanted people. fugitives or, yes. or the Empire's after him for some reason. Galen says goodbye to his daughter, oh, my little Stardust, and tells her that he loves her by calling her Stardust as he heads off to face the Empire. It was a sweet moment. It was a sweet movie. The, the family moment in this was awesome. Yes. I also like the Stardust thing. I also like the fact that Mom gives her a necklace, and it's got a kyber crystal on it. Yeah. And she immediately mentions the Force. Yep. Not that it's not that they can use it, but no. that it's there, and you got to trust it. There are a lot of really good references in this entire movie. Mm-hmm. As the movie goes on, they just put small things here and there, and it is—it's not necessarily a nostalgia piece, but in a way, it is. It yeah. is for people who grew up watching the ones. For new kids or people that are experiencing it for the first time, it'll just be—it'll enhance what they'll see later. Because now you may have kids that are being like, oh, well, I saw that in Rogue One. Yeah. And then they see it in New Hope and, and things later. This was kyber crystal heavy, though. It was very. Yeah. And if you don't know enough about kyber crystals, 
uh, read Catalyst. It <laughs> explains every damn thing you need to know about kyber crystals in it. Ever. Ever. Uh, outside, <clears throat> Galen meets Orson Krennic, a high-ranking Imperial senator, who tries to get him to come back to work for the Empire. Wait, a senator? Yes. He is not, he's not military. He is a senator. Ooh. Director Krennic. Yeah. It's a lot like when Tarkin is constantly called governor. Yeah. You know, he's a moth. He's technically just a moth. He's not even a grand moth yet, which brings the question, when did he become a grand moth? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. But he prefers to be called governor because it's, it's a thing about how he grew up. He wants yeah. land ownership. Um, he asks about his, oh, he, he tries to get him to come back to work for the Empire. He asks about his family, and Galen says, Lyra's dead. And five minutes later, here comes running over the hill. Yeah. <laughs> you always were a bad liar, Galen. I like the exchange. Between Orson Krennic and Galen, you get the idea that they've known each other. Yeah. And that's something that I was thinking about before when I first saw it yesterday was, will they friendship be there? And it was there. It was a really good opening scene. The familiarity was really good. good. I liked Yeah. I agree. It starts off strong. It starts off very strong. Uh, and I know some people will sit there saying, well, it starts off the same way as like the Ewok movies where, okay, little girl, family, her fa whole family dies. You know, I didn't, I didn't make that connection, but it does start off like the, the Ewok movies. Yeah. Uh, when Orson tells stormtroopers to check the surroundings, Lyra appears and they have a standoff. And during the standoff, despite his pleas, Lyra attempts to shoot Orson, only hits his arm, and is killed. There goes mom. Did you guys love the fact that you could hear the death troopers talking, but you couldn't understand a word? It was all muffled. Like, clearly they were communicating, but the sound that actually came out to others was just a garble. I didn't notice that. I noticed yeah. it, but I thought it was a sound issue. I didn't think anything other than that. Oh, I just, I, I think that's brilliant. That they, because you can hear and understand stormtroopers. Yeah. And for them to have these communicators where clearly they're probably still speaking uh, g galactic basic to each other, but all you hear is these horrible sounds. These like terrifying sounds. That's pretty powerful. Like the only thing that it makes me wonder is what the fuck happened to the death troopers? Like these guys were badass. Maybe they all died on that planet because they think they were all there. <laughs> or or were they actually were they just followers of Krennic? I don't know. Yeah. But it, it makes me want to know more about the death troopers. Okay. The black uniforms look very clean. very good. Yeah. Very good. Also something that I don't maybe we'll get to it, but the scenery and the Overall, just, I don't even know. The photography Cinem was brilliant. Cinem cinematography. Yeah, just the amazing. landscaping was beautiful. Yes. Every shot, and you got to see so many more planets in different areas of the... We sound like such fanboys, but it's just, I, I'm still in my nostalgia awe. It was just a very well, visually pleasing movie. Yes. That's exactly it. I mean, we talked about Prometheus at one point and how visually pleasing that was. Yeah. This had shots that you could have taken right out of Prometheus and just threw on the screen. You could have taken it out of a National Geographic uh, yeah. documentary. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Planet Earth. <laughs> yeah. South Dakota. Planet Wobani. <laughs> Which is an anagram for Obi-Wan. Uh, <laughs> I got that. Yeah. I, think, I was waiting for you to lean over in the movie theater and go, that's almost. I wanted to lean over for a couple things, but every time I would turn, I get this death glare, and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> a stormtrooper toy is then discovered, and Orson tells them to give chase to find Galen's daughter. Din runs away and manages to hide under a rock, and later Saw appears and rescues her. Uh, hey, this is a, I like the idea that they, they, they are at the ready in the event yeah. that they come after them. 
and that this is clearly something that they had practiced. Yep. Uh, when you're on the run like that, I'm, that's something I would assume to happen. Because if they were like, she just runs off into the trees and hides under a bush, yeah, I've been like, you're, you're fugitives. You, you should have a plan here. The realistic doomsday prep. Yeah. It's like if you move to Kansas, you, you, you make sure you have a shelter under your house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so smart, smart writing, I'd say so far. I agree. Smart writing. Uh, I like the Stormtrooper toy. It's kind of funny, as I'm oh, seeing all these good. things, I'm remembering all the photographs that came about this movie. Yep. And they're like, ooh, look, it's an Easter egg. It's a Stormtrooper toy. It wasn't an Easter egg. It was a It was, it a, was a plot device. Combs. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, a genuine plot device. And for people that are wondering out there why she would have a Stormtrooper toy uh, if they're against the Empire, well, when we were kids, we all had action figures that were evil also. Yep. Because that's how you fight them. You got the good guys and the bad guys. So there you go. Uh, the film then flash forwards several years later to the Ring of Kafreen. Did you like the fact that they would constantly tell you where yes. they were going? Yes. I loved that. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought it was awesome that you instantly know what's going on. I, I didn't like it at first, but then I thought, if you're going to differentiate yourself from the series, little things like this are how to do it. Yep. Uh, before, they would just assume you know what it is, or you'd hear about it in a convention at some point. Like, oh, yeah, that's what the planet was. It was called this. There'd, yeah, there'd be an explanation, expository writing at some point. Yeah. There, an older teenage Jin is being held captive in a cell. We don't know why. Don't know how she got caught. Yeah. Meanwhile, the rebel leaders led by Mon Mothma, a former senator of the old Republic Senate turned Imperial Senate, discussed the Empire's plan to create a giant weapon capable of destroying entire planets. Joel? I love this scene. It is cool. I loved it. This is, and I want to, I want to say this as we go into the rest of the movie. Mm. The movie is called Rogue One: A Star Wars Story. It is not Star Wars Rogue One. This is not part of the series. This does not fit in perfectly. This is a movie made for Star Wars fans that just wanted a separate movie. That's this. All of the story is the same, but it's not attached. As well as it fits in, it's not a movie that is meant to be put in there. It is a separate movie that's meant to entertain. And I think that the way I think that that's true. If they had ended it with the ship escaping, but the fact that they they end it the way that they do, it leads right into. Yeah, I was going to say. Scene. I think I agreed with you before I saw it. After sawing it, or after sawing, sawing it, it. <laughs> <laughs> after seeing it, I feel like it's now part of the series, whether they wanted that or not. I think when you finish episode three. You watch Rogue One, you watch Episode 4. I think you're like, right. It's now part of... I'm just saying that personally for me. No. I now see it as part of my, my order. But you're right. Mm. I think they wanted to consciously make that. I just think they made such a good movie that connects mm. to all of it. You can't, you can't watch this without then watching 4. I also, I also think that in the beginnings of this, Joel, their intention was not to have it as connected as it ended up being. But the reshoots... Not just the reshoots. If you didn't have Darth Vader in this movie, you lose 25% of your audience. Yeah. And at the, when he's introduced in the very beginning of it, in the, we're in the middle of it, uh, I have a feeling that their original script had that scene, and that was it. I think what they added on later was, listen, you can't just show him here for five seconds. No. You gotta you, if you're in, you have to put them in there, and the only way to do that is to now have the connective tissue between the movies. Uh, when they die on the beach at the end, I have a feeling that's where it was supposed to end. They've done it their makes job. Sense. Yeah, yeah. 
No, it fits. But, but it, you need that last scene with Vader. You need that scene because it makes the movie. The whole movie was amazing, and it does fit in perfectly. My thought is just in looking at this and saying, well, did it involve this? Did it involve this? To try to keep myself from like being nitpicky and seeing it as a film that really did entertain and was just a very good movie. It's, it's not in t- its pure intention is not to be a part of the series, but just to be set apart. But there's so much information that it does fit in there really well. Mm-hmm. But that's, that was the mindset I had going into it is trying to tell myself, this is to entertain. This is not supposed to be a, this is not supposed to be a part of this six or seven now, but yeah. it's just a fun, it's a movie that's meant to just help us understand a little bit more of the story that we've known for the last 30 years. I'm gonna turn your mic up here because if you're not yeah, gonna talk, in, vo- if you're not gonna talk into it, I'm gonna push it up. Yeah, I lost my voice this week teaching, so <laughs> yeah, but I don't have. You're much also of like the, almost the entire time you've been probably back a good like three or four inches. I'm sorry, guys. That's all right. You're supposed to swallow the mic, man. Swallow the <laughs> mic. Don't do that. <laughs> On the planet Jeddah, Bodhi oh. Rook, a Tie Fighter pilot that was with the Empire but now serves the Rebels, arrives and is apprehended by two tubes and his forces. Uh, so yeah, there there you get a, a, a Tie Fighter pilot who gets a scene for about three seconds without a bag on his head and then goes away. Yeah, this is the defector that they were talking about, though. So you see that he, you can kind of understand why he's. Hold as, on, does it say Tie Fighter? Because he wasn't; he was a shuttle pilot. It says a Tie Fighter pilot. Yeah, in the movie, he only called himself a shuttle pilot. Oh, okay. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the planet Wobani. Din is being transferred with other prisoners. Suddenly, rebel forces break in and free them, wanting to escape. Din attacks the rebels and tries to flee, but is stopped by K2SO, an enforcer droid working for the rebellion who clearly knows how to choke slam thanks to the WWE. That was awesome. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> every, I'm sorry. Every line, and I, I need to give Joel credit because I thought this, but Joel put it to words. Mm-hmm. Every line K2SO said was gold, but it. He actually said what I think we all hoped R2-D2 was actually saying. Like, R2-D2's beeps, if this is, this is what Joel was saying, is if... Why don't you let Joel say it? Sorry, then? fine, Joel. No, no, you're doing great. You're doing great. You have more voice than I do anyways. Keep going. But, but yeah, it's just like the sarcasm and the dry wit and the saying exactly what you mean. Like, that's R2 yeah. and K2SO, we just got to hear it. So yes, I know I'm a fanboy for Alan Tudyk, but yeah. <laughs> now, but now in my head, Alan Tudyk is the voice of R2D2, and I'm just going to have those sarcastic jokes always running through. That was honestly probably my favorite part of the movie overall. Just that my entire life, I've wondered what R2 is saying, and now and how and how you would even put it into words because he's a robot, but he has a sense of humor somehow. And Alan Tudyk did it. Yep. He did it. Yep. It had the very concrete, exact C-3PO mannerisms, but he The R2-D2 language. Yeah. So, yeah, it's the it perfect melding of the two of them. So, of the four, JC, which one is your favorite now? 3PO, R2, BB-8, or K2SO? It's probably still R2-D2, then K2SO, okay. then BB-8, then C-3PO. I think that's my ranking order. Joel, how about you? I might have the exact same. Okay. Yeah, R2-D2, K2SO, BB-8. I may switch. C-3PO. I may switch BB-8 and C-3PO just because of the interactions between 3PO and Han Solo. Are so good. <laughs> I love that dynamic. Goldenrod. <laughs> Get the professor in the back. <laughs> uh, okay, 
Well, uh, on planet Yavin, uh, they do pronounce it Yavin in this, don't they? They do. Yeah. Because uh, I, I remember I was confused by that. Yavin, Yavin, because they never said it in the movies. Yavin 4. I guess they did once, didn't they? Yeah. I just don't remember saying it, but anyway. Mon Mothma and the Rebels talk to Jin about her father. She says that she last saw her dad 15 years ago. The Rebels then question her about Saw Gerrera and tell her that he is an extremist causing problems in Jeddah. The Rebels say that finding Saw and the captured pilot is paramount to find out what the Empire is plotting. They offer her a deal. Find Saw, and she is free to go. As Jin boards the craft with K2SO and the pilot Cassian Andor, Cassian is told to kill their targets and not perform any extractions. This, this is, is a, an assassination. This is, the, this is a new look for the Rebels. Yeah. They are not the wonderful... It's not the good guys versus the bad guys. It's war makes bad guys of everybody. Yeah. Um, and I noticed something here. There's a lot of scenes that were in the trailers that were not in this movie. I thought that, too. I thought there were a couple scenes where... The TIE fighter that rises up to meet her at, at the... Yeah. Oh, that wasn't yeah. in there. Her saying, I'm a rebel. I rebel. That's not in there. Yeah. Uh, the shot of her in the tube as the lights are going up, that's not in there. The, also, the piercing... It's it's there for a second yeah. when Krannick first orders the garrison to go out, but you hear it for like two seconds, very dull because people are talking over it, and that's it. Mm-hmm. In the trailer, that was a very powerful moment, and I kind of wanted that like that blaring klaxon going. The space monkey with the machine gun. He he, w- w- he was there. He was there for like a half a second. Yeah, but he was there. He, and he didn't even do that laugh. He just went ah like that and just yelled, and that was it. Yeah, that's true. There was a lot. That was not in the. It makes me wonder: Is there an extended cut? It makes me wonder if all of those things ended up being scrapped for reshoots. Oh, I don't know. Maybe that scene. Maybe this scene where she's talking with Mon Mothma and all them didn't work with the language that they were using, so they had to retool that entire scene. Maybe. I don't know. I was wondering the same thing. It could be make for a really good special edition. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. does Star Wars do that usually? Uh, no, they not do, usually. They don't do but director's cuts, do they? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not usually. I mean, they'll but put this out a movie. isn't Star Wars. This but is a Disney Star Wars. might. They'll yeah. put out. Oh a mo- yeah, you're right. They'll put out a movie on Blu-ray, and mind. then, like you know, seven months later, put out a 3D super en- enhanced version. Uh, it is Disney now. Yeah. Uh, at Jeddah, Bodhi is confronted by Saw, who is now a human slash machine hybrid and requires a mask to breathe. Yeah, that guy's had his shit blown up. <laughs> He's got no legs. He clearly, he's almost Vader-esque. Yeah. He's very Vader-esque. Uh, which makes, it's kind of a nice little illusion because Vader Has, trained him. And <laughs> and Vader and him have been fighting at this probably the same length of time. Yeah. Uh, it I, I liked Forrest Whitaker. I like anything, I like his acting style. I thought he did great as Saw Gerrera. He, he plays like the look of figuring things out so well when he asks her, were you sent here to kill me? Yeah, because you genuinely believe it. Like, he thinks he's about to die. Yeah. It's, it's, I love Forrest Whitaker. Uh, yeah. and I just didn't like his voice inflection in this, but I guess when you've been blown to pieces so many times, your voice is going to be shot to hell. Now, you had a statement you wanted to make about Saw Gerrera. Yes, I wanted to ask you, is Saw Gerrera, why, why is he so different in this movie than he was in Clone Wars. Because in Clone Wars, he was a freedom fighter. He had been trained by the, the Jedi to help his planet uh, do things the right way. And now we're seeing him almost abandoned by this, the rebellion completely because he's his own militia. So can you explain to everybody here why that is? So 
when when the Clone Wars uh, and it's a couple episode story arc starts out, Saw Gerrera is bitter because his father has been killed, and so Saw Gerrera at his heart is a man who just wants revenge. He has lost things, and I very much read him as a revenge based character. When he first comes in, he is angry at Anakin. He is angry at Obi-Wan because they are not helping him get back their palace. He's not helping them get back their, or Anakin and Obi-Wan aren't helping them get back their king. And it's Anakin and Obi-Wan that treat, that are trying to teach him, we can't, but we can teach you how. Mm-hmm. And then it's his sister who teaches him how to do it with maybe a kindness. Although, as this war tells us, that maybe there really is no kindness in war because everybody has suffered. Everybody is going to lose something. But regardless, at least in the Clone War story arc, she is the one that softens his character. Mm-hmm. And over the course of the first two, I think it's a three-episode story arc, and over the course of the first two episodes, he you can visually see him soften. At the end of the third episode, she is killed and he is left without his sister, without his father. He is by himself. And it was the separatists that did it. And eventually he I, I, I see he sees the Empire as similar to the separatists and all of that. And so fast forwarding here to Rogue One, the Alliance distanced themselves from Saw Gerrera because they saw him as too terror terroristic, yeah. too militant. And uh, as Mon Mothma says, he did more damage than good for our cause. Yeah, to Red Dawn. Yeah, and <laughs> Jin Urso even alludes to more or less, "You raised me. You taught me what I needed to know. Thank you for that." But you're you're going a dark place. Yeah, and I can't follow you. Hence, I le- although she didn't follow him, she was left behind. Which that whole scene, but like the whole, you learn so much about why Jin is the type of character. Cause up to that point, you're really like, like what makes this girl tick? Mm-hmm. Cause you've learned next to nothing until you get the scene with her and saw. And it's such a, a raw, like you can tell these are two people that genuinely care about each other that are also genuinely not hearing each other. She is pissed at him and he is very much. Oh, fuck. my, my biggest, or maybe second biggest after watching my sister die, but my second biggest like mistake that I made in life, leaving her behind, but for good reasons, leaving her because I knew she'd be used as a pawn against me and all that stuff. He's having to face that, and it very much humanizes him, and then he's gone. The uh, He also tortures people for interrogation. Well, was it a torture, or was it just a, a, an alter, a, a lie detector? Because well, what, he, what he says is, is he will use your mind to tell if you're lying. But he will also, it will also kill you, you lose if, your mind. Yeah, that's, it will kill you if you lie. Yeah, that, I know. Yeah, so. He, he is an extremist. That's accountability. It's <laughs> a lack of accountability, man. Exactly. You're uh, responsible, kids. On the planet Coruscant, Orson discusses with Grand Moff Tarkin, the Imper- well, just Moff Tarkin, the Imperial Governor of the Interior Areas and overall Commander of the Imperial Navy about Would- the... Which I didn't see coming. About the ultimate weapon they are creating. The senator urges that they perform a test of the weapon. Now, this is the first big reveal in the movie. Yeah, I did not Peter know. Cushing is alive. They did a... Gr- <laughs> I'm sorry, but I know it was digitized, but it looks good. It's like the they did best a good I've job. ever seen. Yeah, they did a very good job with like, Cushing. They've, done a, they've come a long way since Tron Legacy. Yeah. Uh, it, it was brilliant, and it wasn't just for like 20 seconds. 
He had a prominent role yeah, in this. He had like four or five scenes the, of dialogue. The guy who played him, uh, apparently what they did was he stood in for the role and they used different things, different facial movements from Peter Cushing's role as Tarkin to help enhance the visual effects team as they uh, put Digitized it all together. It, yeah. Uh, so, it, it, brilliant job. I mean, again, Disney knows how to put the picture together. Washington Post came out with a headline that says, one of the best performances in Rogue One is by an actor who died in 1994. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that being said, again, he came to life. Yeah. And the first time I saw it, I was all like, I was just kind of sitting there like watching going, I want to see where the CGI problem is in this face. Yeah. And the second time watching it, I was like, I don't even care. It's a person. I'm there. Right yeah. Now. It's, it was totally believable. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of funny though, in the theater to watch people kind of go, how'd they do it? <laughs> uh, so yeah. And they're going to do a test of the weapon and not a full planet blow up, just no. blow up a city, see if it works. And uh, yeah, it, it's they uh, had to blow up Jeddah. Well, yeah, before we got to know it. <laughs> but I, uh, now, now I'm in love with Jetta. I just want to know more about Jetta. I really do. It was, this is the first time, I think, you all have a better Star Wars memory than I do, where we see the beam come down from the bottom and see what it actually does to the planet from yeah. the structure and from yeah, the ground. Yeah, that's a good point. Everything else we see from space, mm-hmm. and you just see it go, yeah. and it blows yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. But you see it now. In high definition from the top, mm-hmm. seeing just the ground break apart and everything just And it's raw destruction. And, yes. And this was the first time that you really saw the Empire as being powerful and relentless. Yeah. And even the shots at the beginning when they show them for the first time, the ships are massive. And you see how many of them there are. Yes. And the scale, is- when you saw the city of Jeddah, and then the, that was the first time I'm like, I, and I think that's sad that that is the first time I genuinely got the scale of how big those fucking ships are. Yeah. Which, in my mind, is why this movie, I, I love this movie. Again, mm-hmm. we'll get to yeah, it. Yeah, I love but it too. You just, there were so many small things that didn't need to be there. It's, it, it, this movie did not need to be made, yeah. but there's small things throughout that just make everything else just a little bit better as you go along. And it more just helps worth you, it, and more worth yeah, it, and more worth it, the more you go through. brings a little bit more clarity. And yes. when you first see the Death Star blow up just this city, you realize, oh, this is actually what they made. And it makes sense that they're testing it on just cities and doing a low resolution of the laser, because in Episode 4, when they blew up Alderaan, they say this is the first true test of the power of the station. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that was the goal all yeah. along, and they've just been like, do sh- little test runs here and there, kind of like when they would drop uh, a bombs in the desert, you know, just yeah. to see what's going to do before they actually send one over. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so smart idea there. As this happens, Jin, K two S O, and Cassian arrive at Jeddah. K two S O is told to wait at the ship, and while Cassian scouts the area, Jin is approached by Chirrut Imwe, a blind warrior that notices her necklace and the quality of the stone. And then steals the whole movie. And steals, <laughs> yeah, him and K2SO. It, uh, it he, should was, be, he was good. I don't know if he stole the movie, but he was good. We get our first massive cameo here that's not needed in the two guys from the bar in episode four. It happened to be on <laughs> Jetta, uh 30 minutes beforehand, uh, which I'm kind of wondering, why are, why are we running into them? He doesn't like you. And why use the same fucking quote? I liked it. It made me <laughs> chuckle. And it was only like 10 seconds. I know, but it was like, you, you, if you just had him run into him and that's it, 
All right. But he had to turn and say the same quote he says in the bar in episode four. <laughs> which That's is lazy. what's funny. Which is what's funny. That's lazy fucking writing. Well, I have, a, <laughs> as you said, I have a five-year-old sense of humor and I find it funny. <laughs> I laughed hilariously at that. We do. I think we all know at least one person that still uses the same jokes or still has the same comebacks from when they were a kid. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's just his way of dealing with things. He's talking into the red microphone. (laughs) (laughs) JC's talking into the red microphone. Wait, which one? You don't have red microphones. (laughs) I'm the only one with a not red microphone. (laughs) Uh, Maybe that's just his comeback when he gets uncomfortable and... Feels insecure. He doesn't like you. And I don't like you. And then they just walk on. Yep. That's it. But yeah. Okay. Kid that pinches. And I also, I don't, and I'm sorry. I'm going to pull JC into this. Yeah, get a sense of humor out here. Doesn't his nose look like a scrotum? I didn't notice. <laughs> I didn't notice. What do you Google for that? Scrotum nose? <laughs> <laughs> I'll look. Uh, don't do that on your work computer. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get D run up and on you. <laughs> Later, when Jin and Cassian roam the city, Jin notices snipers, and the area quickly becomes a war zone. Rebel and Empire forces alike fight. We can't, you can't say rebel because it's militia and Empire forces. Yeah. Uh, and while Jin and Cassian are nearly killed, K2SO arrives and defeats the stormtroopers uh, in rather nonchalant fashion. Hilarious <laughs> awesomeness. <laughs> just get used to this, people. Whenever we mention K2SO, it's just awesome. It's going to be everything. Love from Every- JC. Everything. Thing he did in all of his scenes was fantastic. Uh, Chirrut uh, then tries to let them in on his in his location, but is ambushed by stormtroopers. Showing excellent skill despite his visual impairment, Chirrut defeats the stormtroopers, but all are eventually captured by Saw's crew. Now we don't they mentioned they, they mentioned Chirrut, but they didn't mention Baze. No, you never learn his name. Yeah, he says Baze. Oh, does he? Yeah, Baze is is a badass with a gun. Yeah, and I'm now like as I'm introduced by all these characters. I'm seeing a droid. Yep. I've seen a man who's great, uh, a big guy with a weapon. Yep. I've I've seen a, a very skilled weaponsmith in Chirrut. Yeah. Okay. I've seen a young character uh, who is just starting to learn a little bit of what she can do. Okay. I have the cast of Rebels. All right. Which brings me to a point I'm going to make later about what this movie actually is. It's a, and I will talk about that. Yeah, yeah, because I think it I think you made place that later on. Yeah. Now, have you all heard that? Is it Jin Wang? Jin Wang. Jin Wang. Jin Wang. Yeah. That he said that he's never seen any of the original films. I didn't know that. No. <laughs> Says to be honest, I never saw them. Even now, that's not my fault. At that time, there was a Cold War, right? And if there's a Cold War, there's no Star Wars in China. Touche. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, touche. Just interesting fun fact. And. Another fun fact about Baze, Baze gave away who that Chirrut was going to die at the uh, Star Wars celebration. Yeah, we actually talked about it here on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. Uh, but then it turned, there's now that, hey, everybody, everybody's going to die. So. Spoiler alert. <laughs> if you haven't already. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Chirrut's scene with, with a staff is that awesome. That was awesome. And even better, you can tell the Force is still... Something, something living in Jeddah, but it's something that they believe in rather than something that they feel. Yep. Uh, and he's got one of the best lines that he repeats over and over in the movie, which I'm surprised is not on a T-shirt yet. It, it will be. <laughs> uh, what was it again? It I was, am one with the force and the forces, forces with, with me. me. I am one with the force <laughs> and the forces with me. Uh, yeah. 
While Cassian, Chirrut, and Baze Malbus are in a cell and quickly notice that Bodhi is in the other cell, Jin is brought directly to Saw. Saw is surprised to see Jin, but Jin instantly confronts him about letting her be a prisoner. Saw then says it was to give her best chance and suspects Jin of being told to head there to kill him. Jin then says that she wants nothing to do with the rebellion at all, and Saw, looking defeated, tells her that there is no rebellion without hope. While this is happening, the Empire decides to test their weapon. I'm, I'm sorry. I think the best conversation scene in the whole movie is the one between Jin and Saw. Okay. It is so raw, and it is so emotional that... And maybe it's also both of their actors' performances, because you see the emotion in Jin's eyes and Forrest Whitaker... Man, those eyes tell a story. Yeah. And he goes from, at the beginning, he is big and boisterous. And, like, it's almost like you get why people are terrified of Saw Gerrera. And then by the end, he he's just so softened. Like, you want to give the guy a hug. You know what he reminded you, me you of? You want to give him a big hug. Did you ever see Last King of Scotland? I didn't. No, I haven't. Oh. But I, I've heard he deserved the Academy Award for yeah, that. Yeah, he did. But he reminds me a lot of his portrayal of Idi Amin. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Saw shows Jin a hologram, a hologram sent by her father. Her father says in the message that he went with the Empire to give the rebels their best chances and that the weapon they were building is called the Death Star. He says that he made a failsafe in the Death Star by placing a trap. Explode it, and the entire thing dies. He also apologized to, apologizes to a tearful Jin and tells her to fight for him and to finish what he started. Save the rebellion! Save the dream! It's... Powerful. In the trailer, it looked cheesy. In this, it looks it looked it's owned. powerful. It yeah, looked earned. In its context, it was really good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, suddenly, the Death Star begins to attack Jeddah. Je- Chirrut, Bodhi, and Baze head to the ship while Cassian gets Jin. Despite Jin's help, Saw acknowledges his weakness and tells her to leave him. Everyone then escapes in the ship with K2SO while Jeddah is destroyed and Saw is crushed to death. Do you like the fact that the entire firing sequence was literally shot for shot copied from New Hope? Uh, like, are you, Do you like that? Do you wish they'd done something different? But literally, every time they fire the laser, the motions are the exact same. Everyone does the exact same thing. Is that tip of the hat awesomeness, or is that just... I think tip. I personally think that tip of the hat stuff happens 30 years down the line. When it's, te- when it's supposed to lead up to something 10 minutes beforehand... Then it's, I feel like they could have done something different. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know what else I would want to see. Yeah. It didn't bother me. I wasn't there going, oh, that's a copy. That's a copy. I'm going to turn on this movie. So, see, I, I guess maybe I've seen A New Hope so many times. I'm like, well, yep, yeah. they push the red one, then they push the green one, which always mm. confused me because the green one's already lit. <laughs> like, seriously, when you watch it, they pu- he pushes a red button, then he pushes a green button, but the green button's already lit. So what the, hell, what, the, what the hell did he push the green button I for? I and then, like, you go on. But seriously, everybody now, when you watch New Hope and watch this movie, the first buttons are a red one, a dark red one. When he turns it on, it brights up like, hey, he turned something on. Then he touches a, gr- a bright green one right beside it, and nothing happens. Like, what's the fucking point of pushing the other green button? Maybe it locks it. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> you have two options. You can do it the exact same way and, get- and tip your hat. Or, or you do it can differently. do something a little bit different, and everyone will notice. Yeah. And hate to. No, you're, you're right. right. I just was curious. Yeah. Which we'll get to the. We'll it was interesting to notice, though, since you said it was a shot for shot remake. Oh, 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 like literally the way helmets turned, like everything was like, it was a new hope. And this just reshot. This might be a good time to talk about the costumes in this. It was straight out of the 70s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, the, 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 the facial hair was straight out of the 70s. It, it was, it looked like it belonged in 1977. Which, yeah. And it would lead into yeah. 
It, it was great. Yeah. Well done. Uh, it was a smart move. They didn't. It, the only there were a couple of things that they added into it to futurize it. It looked like uh, some of the ships, the the, the Im- imperial ships, looked a little more futuristic. I hated Krennic shell, but I hate Kylo Ren shuttle too because yeah. it looks like shit gold. I'm kind of <laughs> a little piece. A, a little piece of me wishes that the imperial shuttle they use was that white imperial shuttle. That yeah. We Why can't mm-hmm. they just use that one? But like that Krennic has his own shuttle and. Yeah. Yeah, that just looks stupid. I don't know if that's just me being nitpicky, though. It's so that Lego can make more money make, selling different kits. Okay. With their yeah. test being that's, successful. I'm going to buy because I'm fucking <laughs> yeah, I was drinking, say, I'm drinking put, the Kool-Aid. Let's take a minute to put Lego on blast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they got their shit in Spider-Man Homecoming, too, when the kid drops the Death Star Lego on the floor. Yeah. When he sees a... That's true. <laughs> he does drop the Death Star, which I'm not going to lie. Every time I see that in the trailer, I'm like... <gasps> A lot of hours went into that. <laughs> a lot of hours, man. Yeah. JC, and know. this is why you glue them. Maybe this they were mega blocks. Said. Who knows? They That's were. True. Maybe they were mega blocks. <laughs> That's true. Lego wouldn't have broken. <laughs> Can you imagine the kid that walks across Lego. that floor in his socks next? Hey, the more I compliment them, they may be sponsor, and I get free shit. I'm okay <laughs> with that. Lego. If we ever get sponsored by Lego, we know we've hit it big. Yeah, hell yeah. Legos or Egos, we're, bo- we're welcome to both. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Stranger Things, please. Waffles. Yeah. With their test being successful in Jeddah gone, the Empire leaders rejoice. However, Grand Moff Tarkin decides to claim all the credit from Director Orison and threatens further action for his ambitions intruding their plan. What a dick! It's perfect, Tarkin! Like, that whole phrase, I'm like, this is why you hate the Empire, but this is why you love Tarkin. Yeah. This is, like, that whole scene is sums up what is horrible about the, about the Empire, but what is awesome about Tarkin as a character. When he says... Yes, I will inform the Emperor about the idea that I had originally a while back. And you're like, what a prick. <laughs> Does this movie make Tarkin relevant to episode four? Yes. I feel I feel like, is Tarkin really that big a fucking deal in episode four? Other than the fact, as we discussed, he's the only person that seems Vader will listen to. But we only know that from backstory and everything. And yes, if you've read Tarkin, but then again, how many people have? As far as on screen, <laughs> this movie validates Tarkin as a badass, in my opinion. He's the last per. He's one of the last people you see in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, he's a main focus point, I would say, in this movie, and he is a prominent uh, co-evil in Episode Four. So then is this movie needed? We've all sort of said that this was just Star Wars fan service and all that. Was this movie needed to validate Tarkin? No. Because okay. you, I, and the only reason I say that for me, my perspective is that you got he was evil in episode four. No, I, don't, I just think, I don't know if it's, I don't know if this movie was needed. That's why I sort of threw the question out there. As Leia but says, holding I, Vader's leash. But as, but I do think this movie makes Tarkin a much bigger badass when you see him in episode four. He makes him more strategic. Tarkin and yeah. Thrawn both, the way they talk about the Empire, it kind of goes back to the, all the, World War, the propaganda, <laughs> propaganda. propaganda films. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. When Tarkin and Thrawn talk about the Empire, the prop, it just reminds me of the propaganda of they convince you that it's a good thing, and they yeah. convince you that they're doing justice to the, the galaxy by yep. what they're doing. And yep. if you're in Catalyst, he, if the constant talk between Krennic and Tarkin leads up to what you see in this. 
yeah. that Tarkin doesn't believe he can do it. And, you know, you watch in the book, Krennic enlists the Geonosians and Pago the Lesser to build this thing. And it's taking a long time. They're killing each other. All these insects are killing each other over it to, to create this gigantic weapon. And when Pago the Lesser and his Geonosians all flee the site. So, th- so we learned that's why Geonosis was devoid of people. They just fled. They weren't killed. But, well, the Geonosians all left their planet to build the Death Star and then they used all the resources on it. So there were no more resources there for them to live on. That is a good explanation for why Geonosis was completely devoid of people. The other thing you get in the book is there are legacy planets from the, that the Emperor has said. These are legacy planets. They are not to be touched by the Empire. And it turns out the Empire is still grabbing things from them. So what is a legacy planet? What's an example of a legacy an exa- planet? Well, Wobani, for instance, was supposed to be a legacy planet at one time. And it turns uh, out to be an imperial uh, facility for prisons. Yeah, work yeah. camp. Uh, so you get the idea in this book that while Krennic and Galen are friends, and Krennic is going, yeah, we're doing, we're doing a project. I think it's called Celestial uh, Guardianship or whatever it is. Uh, it's the Death Star. That's all it is. Yeah. And Galen starts to see the, the bad things, and Lyra sees them also along the way, and Krennic's trying to cover himself while at the same time position himself for a power position over Tarkin the whole time. Yep. It's all self-serving, which is the Empire. Yeah. On the ship, Cassian is secretly given instructions to kill Galen if they find him. Ugh. The people on the ship discuss the hologram Jin saw, but Jin, having left the hologram in Jeddah, is not trusted. She convinces them, however, to head to Edu and find Galen. Now, I didn't, underst- I didn't get that she convinced them to find Galen. I thought that Cassian was in charge, and he was going, we're going to go to Edu to get Galen. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a good synopsis, because she doesn't. She has no idea where her dad is. Yeah. Cassian is the one that knows where her dad is, and he knows that from Bodhi, the pilot. All she tries, all the, that whole scene on the shuttle, the only she's, thing she's trying to convince them of is to capture him alive yeah. so that he can prove what he's saying because they don't believe her. Yeah. Uh, Although it, K2SO can repeat it word for word, exactly what she said. Yeah, but no one believes the droid, right? <laughs> nope. Yeah. Uh, on Edu, the crew crashes their ship and decide to get a new one. Oh, we're in the next three episode arc of this. Yeah. <laughs> As Cassian and Bodhi head out, Jin questions Cassian's motives. Upon hearing K2SO say that Cassian's weapon was in sniper mode, she heads out. And then That's a great little line. But and then Chirut and Bays leave. They yeah. all leave at separate times. But let's be clear, Cassian and Bodhi leave first. How does Jin get ahead of them? She takes a different route. A Chirut? A different route. I know, it was a pun. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> they they went up high, and where they went up high, she went down low. Okay. And, yeah. Maybe, maybe. it's just a time element thing. Well, time doesn't exist. Movie time. time. We about that. Movie time. Yeah. Uh, Something that bothers me in this. Yes. Is, and you know, maybe it's that one of them hit hyperspeed before the other or whatever it was when they were leaving. They go through hyperspeed. Am I saying that right? Hyperspace. hyperspace. Yeah, hyperspace. Thank you. And they're just, like, leaning their heads against the window, watching every star blur by. <laughs> but when she steps on the cargo ship later in the movie, she, like, grabs hold of this mm. <laughs> handle at the top. She's like, I don't want to fall off. <laughs> they're flying through space. And I get it. One, it's a movie. Two, gravity. But <laughs> they're flying through space, and not a one of them is budging, like, not hair moving. They're just leaning out the window, like, I guess we'll get here soon. <laughs> but, and that doesn't bother me, but it's later when they're all like, all right, guys, 
hang tight as we just levitate off the ground yeah. and get ready to, like... There's some inconsistencies, but that might be <laughs> atmospheric. You're maybe. Maybe I'm the aft. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Lucas. Or the at- <laughs> the atmos. Oh. Oh, my God. <laughs> Science jokes. Puns. <laughs> On an Imperial Star Destroyer, <laughs> Galen and other members of the Empire are being interrogated on who is secretly working for the Rebels. When Orson threatens to kill everyone, Galen rushes forward and secretly confesses. Or it doesn't secretly, but and confesses. How did he not know they were going to die anyway? Uh, like, Galen's been around the Empire for so long. How did he not know that they were going to kill his engineers anyway? Because he trusts Krennic. Even, af- right, even right. after the death of his wife, he trusts Krennic. He, he, Rick, I mean, that's the thing. They were shot first. These two needed each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, 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 with this in mind, Orson still kills off the other suspected members. And while this is happening, Cassian has his target on Galen, but eventually does not pull the trigger. Now, I got a question for you. Does he not pull the trigger because of a feeling he has? The movie makes it seem like he has a feeling, and so he doesn't pull the trigger yet. Because... I would have thought that when he was looking through the scope and he sees Krennic slap him, that he sees, oh, wait, Galen's not the problem here. It's Krennic we should be after. And because the whole time that he's going after them because they think Galen's working with them specifically to do this. And then you see this scene and all of a sudden it's like, okay, you can see how. The only the problem case. with that is if Krennic is now who they should be going after, Cassian never says Krennic's name. He doesn't, but he also misses that moment in his sniper scope. Because he looks away for a second, and when he looks back in, he sees Galen on his knees. And he, he doesn't know how he got there. So that's kind of wondering okay. if it was a feeling thing, if an allusion to the Force, if you will. Hmm. Yeah, I, would, I think that's how they shot it. They okay. shot it as if he had a, a, a feeling. I'm not going to call it a Force feeling, but he felt something that made him stop. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cool scene. I, I, I like that whole chunk of the destruction of that entire base. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, the goal of the mission for her it was originally to get them to saw, right? Yep. And to, from that point, retrieve the plan, right? Yep. Do you need this scene? Yes. Okay. You do. Okay. Because you need to see what he's going to do. He has been told to assassinate her dad. Yeah. He, we need his arc to yes. form somewhere. So this scene is really for Cassian. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. I completely agree. This, okay. is, this is not a Jin saying goodbye to Galen scene. This is a, is Cassian essentially the asshole? You talked about the rebels being portrayed as asshole. Yeah. Is, is Cassian the asshole he's being portrayed as? Or is this just the reality that war makes everybody assholes? Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, having snuck up on the Rebels, Bodhi and Jin arrive. Jin calls out to her father just as Rebel forces arrive and cause an explosion and fight. When she regains consciousness, Jin finds her father in critical condition. She tearfully reunites with her father before Galen passes away, and Cassian pulls her from his body as they head out of Ebu. Did you have a heart, heavy heart on this one? I did. I'm also not entirely sure why they couldn't have picked up the body. They are carrying heavy gear everywhere with them. Yeah. I understand a body is very heavy. I do get that. But, I don't know. It was one of those where I don't understand, but also maybe just leave it there. But that was me being maybe more sentimental than I needed to be. Yeah. It, it may, you know, he was dead anyway. 
Yeah. And they got to get the hell out of there. But then they can bury him someplace and all that. Like, see, I'm thinking. Well, right then you're here. slowing down the whole pace of the movie. I know. I know. Take it easy on the riders, JC. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm let, a, let me beat the hell out of him. I'm an <laughs> RPG guy, man. I need more story. <laughs> I'm an RPG person. <laughs> uh this is, this is the scene I like the most. Uh, well, the second most. On the ship, an angry Jin questions Cassian on his motives, and he replies with the fact that everyone has lost something for the rebellion and that she, sh- only, tr- she only truly started to care because of her father. I, I love, love this scene because this. Cassian has a damn good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know who to side with. I yeah. see both sides. At, at the end of this scene, I also, I'm like, I don't know who has the high ground. I have the high ground. Because Jin, Jin, Jin has every right to say exactly what she's saying, but Cassian's answers are also like, can't argue with them. He's been, he's been fighting this since he was six years old. This is what he knows. And clearly he lost his entire family if he's been fighting since he was six. Yeah. Ezra. No. I'm sorry. I thought that a little bit during that whole scene. I'm like, this is Ezra. There, he's he's arguing like Ezra. No, I do I do have one tie, and I'm going to bring up later that might be a possibility. Okay. Uh, on the Imperial Fleet's flagship, Orson arrives and reports every to to Vader's castle. He yeah. got his castle on Mustafar finally. It does look cool. It looks like something out of a Halloween movie. It's creepy as hell. And the whole back to scene where where you realize, wow, and and this is something else Joel and I were talking about on the on the ride home from the theater. He has to be so exhausted because he is power. He is such a powerful force user. He's constantly making those limbs work, mm-hmm. and he's making those limbs manipulate the force all the time. And then for him to have to constantly go back to a back to tank anytime he's not in the suit—that's like how drained he is as a human. And so it makes you realize. He is the most powerful force user ever because the only thing keeping him fucking alive is the force. It also it also explains the rigid movements he has fighting with a lightsaber in episode four. Yes. However, we that still is negated at the end of this movie. Yeah, a yeah. little bit. A little bit. It is. Which it makes goes back to my original point was I think this movie didn't have that scene in there originally. Yeah. Oh, we'll get to how amazing it is. But I here's <laughs> my tie in. I still think that I still think I'm okay as as cheesy as I roasted that scene in episode four. I wondered, does Anakin realize that Obi Wan isn't the fighter he used to be? Oh, I'm sure he does. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, the man who kneels before Vader to let him know, will that end up being Snoke? Oh, because oh. he's clearly someone who works for Vader. Yes. Doesn't appear to be force wielder. No. But they'd spent a lot of time on his face. Yeah, they did. You don't do that with an extra. <laughs> we've met we've met Snoke. Is that Snoke? Or is it Ezra? Or is it Kanan? No, it can't be Kanan, because Kanan's blind. Kanan's blind. It's either Ezra or Snoke. Well, if it's Ezra, then Ezra's aged quite a bit in just 15 years. What the dark side does to you, look at the Empire. Or the Emperor. Emperor. I'm more likely to believe it's Snoke. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it is Snoke. Which goes back to what we talked about last week, which was, is he human? Because we said, well, he's humanoid. Yeah. But if this ends up being Snoke, I could buy into it, because now you've got a tie-in there, and you've seen him behind the scenes. Yep. Question, yep. question about another tie-in. Mm-hmm. 
earlier I was reading, I was on a casting and I said the wrong name. Instead of Krennic, I said Thrawn. Yeah, you did. Who is Thrawn? Okay. You because want to there's Thrawn? a... Grand, so I'm reading something that says, is the villain of Star so Wars they're, they're, Admiral Thrawn. The original story of Grand Admiral, Admiral Thrawn is in the Heir to the Empire... Heir? Heir to the Hair. Empire uh, <laughs> series by Timothy Zahn. The Beard of the Jedi. And, and that, was, <laughs> that was the first sort of extended universe series. And Grand, Grand Admiral Thrawn in that book series is portrayed as the smartest of the smart. Like, he oh. makes Moff Tarkin look like an idiot. Like, this guy is just strategically brilliant. and His main strategy, if I may, is to study his opponent's culture and art to find their weakness. And essentially oh, cool. get them to defeat themselves. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And throughout that whole arc, like, he was so seen as formidable. And I know it's quote-unquote legends, but if there is any book series, other than maybe Rogue Squadron, because that's really good, too, uh, that you have to read that is considered legends... Read the three Timothy Zahn books because they are so good. Now, where Grand Admiral Thrawn has become canon is Rebels. Season three of Rebels, Grand Admiral Thrawn is going after the Lothal Rebels. Okay. And he is just as badass in Rebels as he w- was in the books. For many years, Joel, Heir to the Empire trilogy was, by all fans' accounts, this episode seven, eight, and nine. Yeah, it okay. was. Uh, A lot of people considered it seven, eight, nine. And, and actually, when they. When Disney said we're starting canon over, Heir to the Empire was the fruit of a lot of people's problems with it. Because you lost that those three books. You lost Thrawn. And people were worried about, what are you going to do with Thrawn? What are you going to do with this entire storyline, which was beloved by so many people? I mean, Which is the Skywalkers having family. That's the other thing that you get in the, in the Timothy Zahn books, is you see the Skywalkers create families. I don't That's think you Leia get the same fervor if Heir to the Empire never existed. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, okay, so Orson arrives, reports everything to the chief enforcer, Darth Vader. Vader's angry and force chokes Orson. With probably the worst line in the movie. No, it is the worst. <laughs> Don't choke on your aspirations. Oh. <laughs> Again, the only thing I Party can... on Darth. Come on. <laughs> party on Darth. Party that's, on Bane. That, that needs to be a t-shirt. It is. Party on, party on Darth. It is. There's oh, a, I didn't it's know that. Darth Bane, or no, it's Bane from Batman and Darth Vader. It says party on Bane, party on Darth. Um, the only the only way I will try, the only way I will try to justify this to the writers is Anakin was a huge smartass and all of that. So party on Wayne, party on Darth. I like it. Um, yeah. So yeah, maybe it's just a, a callback to him being Anakin, or there being parts of Anakin in there. But yeah, if the if there's ever reshoots for the reshoots, yeah. get, get rid of that line. Get rid of the line and or, and I don't, I don't like saying this, maybe redub James Earl Jones because... The delivery is bad. He, and maybe that's the thing. Maybe he did not like the line, so he didn't deliver it well. I think he's aged. I think that's it. I think he's just aged. Although, Joel, I had said to Joel, I'm like, is it sad that I feel like that was a James Earl Jones line? No, it is, like but... improv. No, like improv. <laughs> do what like, you want to do. Like that, like... <laughs> Well, a part of me feels like that's something in old James Earl. Like, that's something my grandpa would say. <laughs> so old James Earl Jones said, don't choke on your ambitions. And all of the writers are like, we can't insult James Earl Jones. Yep, it's in the movie. <laughs> uh, we see him as, like, weak at yeah. the beginning, just or trying to recover. Then you see him as powerful. A little silly. 
<laughs> then a lot of powerful. And then a badass. It's the many faces of Darth Vader. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, you know, I, I just think he's done a service to the galaxy as the voice of Vader for a long time. Mm-hmm. But he sounds aged in this movie. And you hate to hear it, but you can hear it. And it's hard to pull away from it. Uh, so maybe, it, and I, I'm, I may be in the minority here, but I think it's time to find somebody to be the heir apparent. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, to ordering him to make the Death Star work without any flaws. Yep. Uh, and then Vader walks away, and you think to yourself, okay, well, there, there goes Vader. Done. Uh, at a rebellion hearing, the rebels are, rebels are doubtful of Jin's story and her credibility. Well, she is a criminal. Yep. She ends her argument with rebellions are built on hope, and everyone goes, oh, she's right. Okay, no. go, Jin. No, they didn't. <laughs> That's what you thought from the trailer. Yeah. But no. But still fail to get approval on her proposed mission to infiltrate the Empire's headquarters in Scarif and get the plans for the Death Star. Now, this, this has bothered me because Mon Mothma clearly agrees with her. Yeah. But it's a democracy. And you said something, and it's like, what'd you say? This is when democracy failed them. Yes. Well, it failed them when the, when the Empire was that's formed. Tr- that's true. So this is the second time democracy has failed them. But, yeah. This is how democracy dies. Through applause. Cheesy hope quotes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If they know, here's the thing their job was to go get the damn plans. They got something close enough. You can work with that. If you're a true rebellion, you're working with that. You're not going, we don't have enough yet. I am kind of surprised at the pushback when the original thing was, yeah, go find out what your father said. I found out what my father said. Yeah, now we don't believe you. I don't believe you. <laughs> what? <laughs> you have then no wh- proof. Then why'd you send me in the first place? <laughs> I could have died three or four times. <laughs> Go ask your mother. She said yes. Still no. Still no. That's uh, exactly. It's the parents working against each other themselves. Uh, outside, Cassian approaches Jin about going on a mission. Several other rebels have decided to join with them. Uh, a bunch of pawns in the chess game. It's a good scene. It's a cool scene, but at the same it's, time, it's, I'm reminded of, like, you got the bishop, you got the, no, you got the king, the queen, and then you got because the, you the need, nameless pawns. You need the people to do the fighting so that they can do the heist. I get that. Yeah, and I do like the fact that Cassian is owning up to the fact that these are all, we're all we've all shot people. We've all killed people that we didn't want to do. We're all assholes, yeah. but we want our last assholey thing that we do to mean something. Yeah. Uh, Foreshadowing. With their crew uh-huh. in tow, they use the call sign Rogue One and head to Scarif to do the mission themselves. Makes sense. They're going rogue. Yep. Which, I didn't like it in the trailer. I understand it now. And I also love that the most powerful squadron takes the name from them. Yeah. Like, now... Well, is it Black Squadron now? Because Black Squadron isn't the now... It's no. Now. Well, sorry. Now in, in Force Awakens, it's Black Squadron. Yeah. But Rogue One was, Rogue Luke, Squ- was Luke Skywalker's... Ty- was... was Red no, Five. He was Red Five. Red Five Red becomes Rogue Squadron. But he wasn't in Rogue. He was in Red Squadron. Shit. Yeah. That's a that's a continuity error. We got him. No, but it's a oh. content. No, it's a continuity error with the extended universe. Oh. Damn it. Uh, so there is no Rogue Squad because Rogue the whole fuck. Damn it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can save. I can save. I, I can save you here. The whole Rogue Squadron was. Damn I can, it! I, fuck. I can save you here. I can save you. Fine. What? Okay. There is a pilot in the war in the sky that dies, and his call sign is Red Five. Luke takes his place on the Red Squadron. I get that, 
Oh, but, man, I thought that was going to be helpful. <laughs> no, no, no. I got that. That was a nice little touch. Yeah. What I'm saying is, in the extended universe, and I, I thought it was in the books, too, like um, Aftermath. I, I thought it was even alert. Uh, like, like Wedge Antilles, he is the leader of Rogue Squadron. He's Rogue Leader. Yeah. Yeah. But we never see Luke fly with that squadron ever again. Fuck me! <laughs> I just thought that was cool that they took the name from... Damn it. Because yeah. you're right. They are Rogue One. Although maybe it just took too long because it does happen right after. They have Red Squadron. So it's Red Squadron. Then he would fly with Red. And then after Luke takes it over, Luke gets the story of what Rogue One did. And then he renames it Rogue Squadron. Yes, I'm back. I'm happy. Let's okay. say, JC, do you I'm, even watch Star Wars? I'm all connected. <laughs> I'm all connected now. Again, <laughs> we can't prove him wrong. <laughs> <laughs> He's found a loophole. <laughs> oh, I, I did. I, I, I connected <laughs> the dots. Okay, I'm back to happy. We just watched JC show every emotion <laughs> in the world all at once. Gosh. Like Darth Vader in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and listen to this podcast just to understand what you said. <laughs> Thanks, jackass. <laughs> no, just saying, y'all have more background knowledge than me. I'm trying to educate myself. Hey, I, this is the most that you've had to say on this one because we're all on even ground. Go. Yeah. Was, it, was that your your stuff flying in the air? Because that's he, normally what that motion is used for. Yeah, I guess it was. <laughs> <laughs> just, don't, just wipe it off your screen. Uh, there it goes. <laughs> All right. Uh, at Get your work computer, man. At Scarif, <laughs> Bodhi convinces the Empire forces to let them land, and while K2SO, Jin, and Cassian head to get the plans, the other rebels sneak through and plant explosives. Uh, Director Orson also arrives to monitor the Empire's activities on the Death Star, as well as Grand Moff Tarkin. Now, I thought it was very interesting here because I would think that certain uh, listeners would probably point out the fact that, oh, here they go again blowing up a, uh, a backdoor entry to get in to shut down a rea- uh, shield generator. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is the fourth time. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm okay with it. It works. Because Star Wars fucking repeats itself. Thank you. Yeah! Go. Do it up! Uh, proud of JC for not going with the blowing up the back door comment. <laughs> we're we're it, growing up. It it took a lot of penetration, man. <laughs> took, took, there it is. <laughs> Soon enough, the rebels use their explosives and cause explosions all over the planet. And Krennic has one of the best lines ever, saying, "What are we doing? Get a garrison!" <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty great. <laughs> They're all staring there, look, staying there, look out the window, waiting for him to tell them to do something. And he's not even supposed to be there. He's not even the commander there. He's just a senator, goddammit. Like, like Vince Vaughn in Anchorman. Yes. <laughs> like, like, you're just going to stand there? <laughs> even the guy who can't think says something. <laughs> Come on. I forgot about that line from Anchorman. <laughs> God, I loved Anchorman. Anchorman was funny. Soon enough, the Rebels use... The, oh, I just said that. I'm not going to say that whole line again because JC will just go off. <laughs> Don't. With a full-on bat... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> just clean your computer off afterwards, man. This with is a, for work. With a battle emerging, other Rebel forces that, that decide to go to Scarif as well. And then R2-D2 and C-3PO show up for th- 10 seconds just to prove that they were there. Uh-huh. Uh, when the Rebels arrive, however, the Empire decides Bail to Bail Organa a- was there, so if Bail Organa was there, it makes sense his droids would be there. Uh, Bail Organa, first of all, Bail Organa had a point to this. C-3PO delivers a line that doesn't even need to be in the fucking movie. Just to- they put that in there just to show, it was like, if- in case you didn't know this was Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we-, we have these two, they're here. And Dude. then they went away. 
Did I lean in to say something to you in the movie, JC? You did. What'd you like, say? I was like, Joe just thinks that they put him in there to have him in there. <laughs> That's exactly what Joe's but, thinking. And I, I thought about this for the rest of the movie, and I said, if they show, if at the end of the movie, Leia appears, and then Leia puts this message inside of R2-D2, then it makes it sense will why make they were sense. There. Yeah. But we will get to the end of the movie. We'll get there. Uh, when the rebels arrive, however, the Empire decides to create a force field over Scarif to prevent more rebel forces from coming in. I love this. Yeah, this was... Something new. Yep. Still trying to destroy a planet-sized problem, but... Hey, when you got big gonads. Here you go. Uh, <laughs> inside the control room with the data, K2SO opens the door to allow Jin and Cassian to enter the database and extract the plans to the Death Star. While they search for the plans, K2SO fights off the stormtroopers. They eventually find the plans under the code name of Jin's nickname, Stardust. Great moment. It's a tie-in. You yeah, saw it coming from a mile that. away, but it worked. It worked. Uh... When, the file them, <laughs> when they find the files, K2SO notes the force field and tells them to deliver it themselves manually by getting the file themselves and then climb all the way to the top to begin transmission. Because he's about to die. Which that scene was powerful. It was like, I, I, was was, I, I, I choked up a bit. Him and Chiroots. Those are the two I choked up. Stormtroopers the that... <laughs> Chiroots? Chiroots! Baby Chiroots! Baby Chiroots! <laughs> Stormtroopers then overpower him, and K2SO dies, permanently locking the door to the control room with Jin and Cassian inside, who are also seen by Director Krennic. Yep. Uh, okay, you want to talk about K2SO's death? Because I, I thought I, it was one of the in best. All on, in all honesty, It was one of the no. best in Star Wars. In all honesty, it is, and mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about it because I want people to see it. I don't want, I don't want to say anything because it was that powerful. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. want to cheapen it, and even by me saying this, I'm already establishing an opinion. But it is so good, you just need to see it. I, I don't, it doesn't need to be talked about because it was perfect. It made him so much more than just comic relief yes. in a movie. In a it made movie. him so essential. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> although we should talk about the fact that he did droid rape somebody. Yeah, I was going to leave it on a positive note. <laughs> he did. He, he is did. a droid rapist. He did, he did rape. He uh, stuck his R2-D2 schlong. Into the back into of the somebody's head. neck of another droid and extracted what he wanted out of it. He droid raped. Oh, he did. And we sympathize with this creature. This droid. I don't think so. That's Kim. A, that's a dark way to go about this movie. <laughs> and I'm the one that says dirty jokes? <laughs> <laughs> every, time they, every time he did stick his little R2-D2 wang into a machine, I, I, I just kept thinking about him and laughing. <laughs> R2-D2's dick saves the yeah, day. He definitely like, ruined that feature of R2-D2 for me. <laughs> I can't watch it without thinking of a penis. <laughs> and that's not my fault. You have had an impact, JC. <laughs> Speaking of impact. You've penetrated our imaginations. Uh, meanwhile, at the battle, the rebels are able to take down several at-ats. And well, AT- then where did AC- they come from? AT- that was cool. ACTs, right? ATACTs. Yeah. Uh, and Bodhi manages to find a way to the control switch to turn on communications. Okay. The at acts. <laughs> Should we call them that? Uh, we just call them at acts. Sure. Okay. Yes, took, down, took down awfully easily by ships all of a sudden. Which is why they're called ATACTs. They're cargo transports. They're not altering armored transports. But the armored transport. Armored cargo transport is what they're ca- That's what the ACT is. But the coolest part about uh, this yeah, scene. Again, in the other movies, you see them get tripped up and you see bullets not work. Mm. But they showed ships firing into the joints of their legs and they realized... Into their necks, yeah. Into their necks, and they've 
were hitting crucial parts. And that's what I loved about this movie is it had it sh- it wasn't just we're going to show something get destroyed. Mm-hmm. It was we're going to show you get it get we're going to show it get destroyed and how. Yeah. And that was probably my favorite part was them blowing up the knee joint of that. Yeah, that one you that you one you wing just blowing it to bits. But he probably emptied his entire clip mm-hmm. just to take out that one joint. But there was also the shot of the one that split the one in half. Yeah. That was cool. And it was that like, was a wi- that it was, was a, a cool wi- shot, but that was a Y wing bomber, which they did not have Y wings on Hoth. What uh, JC said? That yeah, was true. convenient. True. <laughs> I wanted to say that so many times in the movie. Was that, was that convenient? You should have convenient him. Was that convenient? <laughs> but it's the first time all of us were seeing it, so I couldn't do that. <laughs> The, uh, there was one that had an open space inside of it. Did you guys see that? Yeah. yeah. And I was hoping to see a Y-Wing shoot through it yeah. as a maneuver, because I thought that would have been really cool. Very cool. Uh, but at the same time, I the one thing I was worried about was, I remember saying this during the trailers, was when Bayes shoots the one with the rocket launcher, I was like, that shouldn't take down one of these. And it didn't. Nope. And I was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. So I was very pleased with that. Yep. <laughs> And it was also good to see his facial expression because he clearly has not been fighting the Empire. He's only been sort of defending Chirrut, and he blows that thing, and he's like, oh, yeah, that didn't work. My hope is that after this event, the Empire goes into another mode or another iteration of the At-At, and makes the At-At, yeah. which can be used for cargo also, but now has shields all over. That that'd be my guess. My the evolution of that should be there. Evolution. Atmos. Oh. <laughs> Phage. Ah! <laughs> you. <laughs> I was gonna get it in at the end. <laughs> uh, Feige. You guys suck. Uh, meanwhile, at the battle, the rebels are able to take down several at ats, and Bodhi manages to find a way to the control switch to turn on communications, which, by the way, is in the worst possible place. If you're planning this thing out, why do you put it in the middle of the fucking field? <laughs> it's just the it's just a master switch. All the landing pads have master switches. They did say that. Okay. He just needs to get to the master switch at that landing pad. My thought was Baze was going to shoot it into the position. That would have been cool. But I think they wanted to use Chirrut to do it to yeah. show that, oh, the force is still something. And maybe he has it, maybe he doesn't. We don't know. Yeah. I like the scene. All of a sudden, the dust troopers couldn't shoot. It, and it was powerful because you clearly see, like, the bolt sort of veering off. Yeah. I loved Chirrut. Chirrut was awesome. Loved yeah. him. Every, every scene he was in was great. It was. Yep. Uh, yeah. Major props to Ip Man. He was the Jar Jar that was done well. <laughs> I think K2SO was the Jar Jar of this movie. The, the comic Yeah, movie. that was the Jar Jar done well. I'm not sure I saw the comedy in Chirrut. I saw it in Bays and Chirrut's. Oh, that together. relationship was yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. This fool over here believes. <laughs> but that was like something that could play out later. But had Jar Jar not been such a goof, maybe yeah. it would have played out. I get that. So what I'm saying is Sharut was played well. So maybe they can take him seriously later on. Yeah. This is also the Back to the Future scene, which is Doc Brown <laughs> can't get the line. It's, it's snagged on something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's Dr. Brown. He made an appearance today. <laughs> I'm going to go, I didn't Fred th- Scott. <laughs> I didn't think that, but that's really funny, actually. <laughs> also didn't think of the, of the scene where he, where he hits the switch. He walks over perfectly, mm-hmm. avoids everything, smoothly avoids every bullet, 
And then he just turns into the newest blind guy in the world <laughs> and just starts slapping around the panel. He runs into it first. <laughs> trying to find <laughs> He knew exactly where to go, but then once he got there. Oh, uh, he did not no know where to go. He was just walking straight. He didn't know where to Force. go. That's probably why he walked into it. But it was, it was still funny. It was, it was graceful, and then he runs into the table yeah, and was, just it was graceful. smacks her. It was like you, you had Kane in it first, and then you had Ray Charles at the communications. My gosh. <laughs> Great character. <laughs> Maybe my favorite next to Han. He's unable to turn the switch on during Let's the battle, so Sharut takes a risk, walks over to the switch, and turns it on. He is, however, shot on the way back and dies in Baze's hands, telling them that he will always be one with the Force. Yeah. Good scene. Uh, inside the control room, Jin got me K- choked up. This is around the time that you sit there going, let's see, K2SO is gone, Chirut's gone. Oh, shit, they're all going to die. Yeah, I will admit, when I saw Chirut die, that's when I realized, in the in the back of my head, I hoped. I yeah. genuinely hoped that somebody was going to survive, and then I realized, nope. They're... But then they needed to kill them all off. It's sad, and yeah. Inside the control room, Jin and Cassian are able to grab the Stardust file, but are intercepted by Director Orson. Despite taking out the stormtroopers and being able to shoot Krennic, the wounded Krennic shoots Cassian, who falls, while Jin narrowly escapes. And we all assume he's dead. While this is happening, Bodhi gets communications working, but is killed by a grenade bomb thrown by a stormtrooper. Baze is inspired by Sharut's sacrifice and fights until he is also killed by a bomb held in the hands of a fallen stormtrooper. But, but is quoting the Force when he dies. Joel Smith. This is not being a stickler about the scene. I'm not saying that it's not possible. I'm just saying a very low-key um, thing that you don't necessarily recognize about Jin or so. When she goes to see her dad, she climbs up. And I even thought, I was like, I'm going to say this on the show. You could not pay me to climb up that set of stairs with a harness <laughs> oh, no. and go up to her dad. <laughs> when, when Admiral uh, Vagarin was looking down through that, fucking, I'm like, fuck you. A set? The straight down shot to the planet. Yeah, I am terrified of heights. That I felt sick in my chair. Yes, before oh, I felt so nauseous. Like before her father dies, she probably climbs about a hundred yards of stair of a ladder, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Then in this scene, she jumps and is maneuvering around this thing, pulling herself up With just by arm her strength. arms. I can't do fifty pull-ups if you give me an hour, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and she. I, I think that she deserves credit for what we see in this role and showing that she's a very powerful character. And she you, is strong she's as very athletic. fuck. Yes, and you get that based on her personality, but physically as well, she what she did very much was like Ray. very badass. And then she like pulled herself up as that uh, walkway was falling. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, yeah. yeah, that was the other one. <laughs> but with, but when three. that opening is closing every like two seconds, oh, I think, boy, yes. what, a, what a way to end this movie right now. <laughs> Just have it slice her to have me like, well, it's over. I, I Darth, could, Maul, <laughs> Darth Maul again. Darth Maul again. <laughs> I couldn't stop thinking. I was like, I couldn't do three sets of 10 pull ups. <laughs> I mean, my life's never depended on it, but yeah. good for her. Well, well done, Jen. Jin, being the powerful person that she is and as strong as she is, probably could have hauled her torso to that radar. and Probably could have. Yeah, just guts. Yeah, just walking down the room. Or is it Jedi speed floating? She's not a Jedi. We don't know We that. don't know that. We do know. Well, Prove me wrong. No, we don't. In Catalyst, you do. Oh, well, I've read Catalyst. <laughs> uh, it's on my shelf. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting it for Christmas, hopefully. Uh, Jin finally makes her way to the top and sees the command console for transmitting data to the Rebels. The console prompts her to recalibrate the antenna, and she does, all the while not knowing that Orson is headed up. After Jin recalibrates the antenna, the location is hit by the battle, and she nearly falls off. Recovering her position again, Jin tries to send the data, but is intercepted by Krennic. He claims that she and her rebellion will die with her. 
but then is surprisingly alive, but heavily injured. Cassian appears and shoots Orson, who falls dead at last. There you go. Fitting end to Krennic. It was a fitting end to Krennic. Um, and uh, I would I would have I would have liked to have seen where the Tie Fighter rising up to that one landing strip mm. would have fit in in the scene. Yeah, because that's a scene that was a shot in the trailer that made me believe this was going to be a good movie. There you go. And it wasn't in it. Nope. The yeah. teaser. It teased me exactly. It did its job. It threw on makeup and then the makeup came it off. It did and I saw what, what it's told. Like. Uh. <clears throat> With the threat down and the Rebels being able to turn the shield off, Jin successfully gives the data of the Death Star to the Rebels. While this is happening, Tarkin watches the carnage with Vader and turns the Death Star target to Scarif. What? Which, as soon as that happens, you instantly know what's going to happen to everybody. Uh-huh. While Scarif is about to be destroyed, the Rebels note the sacrifice of the Rogue One. In Scarif, Jin and Cassian hold hands and embrace on the beach as the Death Star obliterates them and the entire planet. They could have gotten away. They could have grabbed a ship and gotten out of there. You know what? They could have. The now shield now that down. you say that, the shield was down. There was no reason for them not to escape that. Although they almost didn't escape um, the one on Jeddah, and they were already in their ship. Like, the ship was already flying. Yeah. This one, they would have got to get to the ship, get it to take off and all that. Maybe they wouldn't have made it. Well, either way. Or they were just resigned to their fate. That's a, that's a thing with movie time, though. We don't know what yeah. it actually is. And at the same it time... Was a, it was a good end. It, it was a fitting ending for them. Yeah. Uh, we then see Darth Vader enter a rebel ship. And, he, and this is what, it's, so, IMDb, so, and this is so, what IMDb says. It says, and he mows down scores of rebel fighters. With he does? He, oh as he gosh. chases the memory card containing the Death Star plans through the rebel flagship, arriving at the final hatch just in time to see Princess Leia's ship undock and escape. Now... Say, again, talk. I'll let you talk. No, again, I'm just going to say awesome. Again, I don't want to ruin it. Like, this scene is so amazing. This is worth just, 11.50. Yeah, mm. just go <laughs> see the movie for this scene. I have bullshitted with Joe over and over about how I want to see Vader be the most powerful bad fucking ass in the galaxy. This was it. It was too short for me. I, I wanted to see more, but I saw enough to realize he is a badass. So, yeah, this, this scene was perfect. I've got two things regarding this scene. Yeah. I had the same feeling with this one as I did when I was in sixth or seventh grade, and I saw Yoda for mm -hmm. the first time in episode two. Jumping around. Where he just jumps around. Like a scaredy cat? Yeah, first time in my life <laughs> where I was like, oh, Yoda can use his joints. And <laughs> <laughs> but this scene, I think I might have said on the show a week or two ago, it's so, it was so hard for me to watch any of the original three movies after – the portrayal or direction, however you want to say, of Christensen, I, every time I saw Vader, I was like, I'm not afraid of you. Yeah. There's nothing, because then you notice in the first three movies, he doesn't do anything very aggressive. He defends himself. He fights in a TIE fighter. But unless somebody comes after him or disrespects him in front of his colleagues, yeah. he doesn't do anything. Well, there's also nobody more powerful than him in those movies. The right. Three, because Luke is an untrained force user, and the Emperor... Is he has Vader as his bitch? So he's not going to do anything with the Emperor unless he just throws him over a, a railing. Right. Yeah. Uh, so the first time you really see the power outside of just a force joke in in, in costume. Yes. Yes. Is Rogue One? Yeah. And so you need to see Rogue One. Just you for don't that. need to see Rogue One. It's not a needed movie, but this scene it, you need to see. You need to see this scene. That's what I just said. Therefore, what I would the suggest movie. doing: download it on YouTube. Check it out. 
No, we'll you, st- no you still context. You still need Rogue One. See it in the context. Yeah, I'm sorry. Don't don't drink Joe's Kool Aid. Rogue One is now a needed part of the series. That's there, my vote. There are several things that I want to point out in this scene, and that is one: Vader doesn't just throw a guy to the ceiling. No. He walks by them and then cuts him down with a lightsaber while he's on the ceiling. Yep. We also see Gareth Edwards break two of Disney's major rules: impalement, a decapitation, and an impalement. But it yep. doesn't show the impalement. It goes. It goes oh, through. No, I'm not even going to say. It goes through. Enjoy it. It goes through the yeah, door. We're, we're describing the scene. We said we weren't going to describe uh, they've it. Seen I'm going to describe it because it's honestly, awesome. At this point, they've seen it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It goes through <laughs> the, the door, so and you alert. see the body of the man. It's it's clearly it's awesome. interred. It's yeah. so good. And then there's two guys hanging out on the it's left, so good. and Vader cuts both their heads off, it looks like. Yep. Yes. <laughs> the best is my favorite where I was like, whoa, is where they're shooting at him. Locks it, then takes all of their guns at once, <laughs> and with the force just throws them behind his head. Yep. And such a power move. It's like, huh, nope. Yeah. Tosses every man-made weapon behind him and then throws them back. I was... Did you notice only one rebel fighter out of that entire hallway, uh, only one, made it onto the Tantive Four? Yes. The one that... The gets, one that had the card. Yeah. Everyone else was cut down. It's a... Uh, this scene reminds me of the beginning of Lords of the Sith. But think about that for a moment. When Vader's on that, that ship and he's cutting him way through all the way through it. Yeah. And I remember reading about him being out, wow, he, there, this is awesome. To see it on the screen is so much better. Is fucking brilliant. But if we go back to the scene where he's in the back to tank and the amount of energy it takes for him to do things, we have, I, I think, an inconsistency. But I could be wrong. No, I get that. I told JC in the car, it totally inappropriate for the movie, but I could have just watched. Do you all remember Mario Party where there's one of the party games where everyone's involved and you're having to run and jump over things? Yeah. And all at the same time, Bowser's just running behind you. And if you don't <laughs> press the buttons fast enough, he just snatches you and tosses you backwards. That's what I wanted to see with Vader. But with them passing the card forward. The message. Okay, everybody get that. That's an <laughs> app idea. <laughs> so it's like they have to run and get the message to the next person before they get gobbled up by Darth Vader. Before they're cut down by yeah. Vader. It's, it's, it's not Temple Run, it's Tantive Run. <laughs> oh, yes. there yes. you go, Tantive Run. Yes. <laughs> exactly. The, uh, yeah, th- so yeah, this is a great scene. I love that. Uh, I, I could have watched two hours of that scene. Yeah. And so the ending scene, describe the ending scene. Inside, so the Tantive Four gets away. Inside and- Leia's ship. We see Princess Leia take the plans. C-3PO, no. No, the droids are not there. It no, is just Leia. Somebody asked her what it means, and she says one word, hope, signaling the start of the Star Wars first film, A New Hope. And you see Gareth Edwards' name, end scene. Directed by Gareth Edwards, end scene. Uh, Princess Leia, CGI'd. And I know you... It, 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 was, it was the one, it, when I looked at that, I'm like, uh, that was the one that, maybe I have to see it again, but in the in the brief instance I saw it, I'm like, did they give her gray hair? What? It looks like they aged her, but she's supposed to be young. Like, it just, that one looked funky to me. Tarkin looked awesome. Can I and make- maybe that's why Tarkin looked so good. Because mm-hmm. I was watching, I watched it at the end, and of, again, I don't know as much about the characters and the actors as you do, but I was halfway through the movie looking at Tarkin, like, is this a real person or is it cgi yeah is it real or is it cgi yeah. i didn't know he died in 94 mm-hmm. uh, it was just an actor to me but it looked it looked he looked so good that i didn't notice it until about halfway through the movie um that's impressive 
That is impressive. Isn't, well, that, isn't that the basis of the Turing yeah, test? Yeah. Well, it, like it caught. I mean, I thought he looked strange, yeah. but the movie, everything going around him, was good enough to where I was just brushed it off. Mm-hmm. But he looked so good, and Leia did. But again, again, we're also way more familiar with Carrie Fisher, what she looked like then, what we she looks like now. We just saw her in The Force Awakens, which yeah. probably distorted it a little bit yeah. in some way. Yeah, maybe not right. the way you probably have other reasons for it. But I know in my eyes, I could see how that would distort it in my eyes. Uh, Having watched these now in order and th- and having the recent Carrie Fisher in my mind, it is it does look more porcelain. But if you, I have a feeling if I throw in a new hope right now, I'm be like, wow, she really does have smooth skin. Yeah, it really does look nice. Uh, so the movie ends. Directed by Gareth Edwards, JC. What did you think after watching this movie? It is awesome. It does have its flaws. It has things you can nitpick, but. Um, I'll I'll probably discover more things to nitpick the more times I see it. But after one showing, in my humble opinion, it goes right after episode three, and it, it wasn't supposed to be part of the series. In my opinion, it is now. Yeah. Star Wars is now eight eight movies. Joel, it is. It would be hard, I think, to have it as a standalone movie. But I'm also thinking of all the background knowledge that we have and everything that I've learned from you guys over the past seven movies. It was great, and I think I've, I'm enjoying it more now talking about it. I, don't, I didn't realize how much I enjoyed it until we went through it again, talked yeah. about different things. I loved it. It honestly, I was watching it thinking, thinking that this might be in my top three, if not top two Star Wars movies. I turned my mic off. In my <laughs> top three, if not top five, like favorite Star Wars movies as far as just watching them and being entertained the whole time, but it was tough to follow at the beginning for me, at least. All right, for me, uh, yeah, it was it was it was good. It wasn't great for me. Uh, I didn't know what to expect of this because it was a spinoff, uh, and so at one hand, I'm sitting there going, "Okay, this is an original story," but they kept trying to tie it in, tie it in, tie it in, and it didn't feel like an original story after a while. It felt like three point five. I can see that. Episode 3.5. Yeah. And if that's the case, I wonder if everything we saw here, and I talked about it with you guys at the beginning, does this negate the need for an opening crawl in episode four? Because everything in the, that crawl, we just watched. And if it's meant to be watched back to back, which it appears to be, then you don't need the crawl. It's, it's an extra scene that you don't need. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm kind of back and forth on this one. I've seen it twice now. The first time I loved it, and the second time... I kind of brought myself back down to earth. Whereas with The Force Awakens, the first time I saw it, I loved it. The second time I saw it, I loved it more. The third time I saw it, I loved it even more than that. And I'm just wondering, is it the diminishing returns because the shock of the nostalgia is gone? You know, it's, the, the crawl's interesting because mm-hmm. in my mind, they mention Luke in the crawl, but they don't. That's not until Empire. Right. So there's no need to even talk about Luke Skywalker. And reading it through right now, the only thing that I would say that you need is Princess Leia's name. Because yeah. do they say Princess Leia's name in Rogue One? They don't. We, we get the illusion because Bail Organa says, I'll get, basically, I'll get my daughter on. I can trust her. We all know that his daughter is supposed to be Princess Leia. Right. Uh, but if you don't know that, then you need that information, I suppose. And the only thing they say is the princess. They yeah. say, princess, we have a message. But other than that, you might be right. The only the reason I will say that you do need the crawl is purely based on it is not three point five. Yeah, yeah. 
Now, if you want to, if you want to include, if you want to include this movie in chronologically, then no, you really don't. You you really, have to watch really it for three, and then you got to watch four because this movie does so much better than the crawl. But I also think that this movie serves because of the way they tied it in. It serves this. It, it it served as this is part one of a new hope, and then part two is a new hope. Yeah, and it felt like a season long. It's a season of Rebels jammed in a two-hour movie. And they try to do too much, I think, in this movie uh, with the gigantic cast that they have. Mm -hmm. If this is supposed to be a part one, part two, which is when you end it that way, that's what it's alluded to, then I guess, I don't know. I wish there was more of a tie-in with more than just Princess Leia and Vader between the two movies and Tarkin. Yeah. Uh, So... that's where I'm at with it. You want to do movie grades? All right. So for my grade for this film, granted, this is on one viewing, and so maybe nostalgia speaking this a little bit, but it's an A minus. It's up there with Force Awakens for me. And I'm trying, I don't want to say it's better than some of the episodes, but clearly it is in my head because I'm giving it an A minus versus <laughs> B pluses and others. But I loved it. I know, I know at some point I'll watch it and I'll probably be nitpicky about things, but I, all I want to do right now in this moment is see it again. So okay. if that is how I feel, it is clearly an, an A minus. Joel, I'm going to agree with JC. I'm going to go A minus. Wow! And I, <laughs> and I thought about this through the movie. The thing that I like the most about it is it's again, it's not a necessary movie. You do not have to have it in there. But it was essentially like assault for the rest of Star Wars. Yes, it included. It showed you the inside of the Death Star and how the laser builds, and it tells you kind of how it builds, and it shows it destroy part of a planet and it you didn't need that no you did not need that but it was so much fun to watch uh there were some missing things i honestly what's his name dang it galen saw saw guerrera saw there are parts of the movie where i was wondering i was like is he even needed for this movie yeah that's the only thing that really tripped me up because it's not like he was holding on to the message the message was delivered to him but I guess the only way she would have seen the message is if she were going to see him and for it to be brought to him. Uh, with, other than just filling in some stuff for the fans that go beyond just the original movies, mm-hmm. that was my real. That was really my only thing. I had a really hard time figuring out why you get such a big name cast for a role that I just couldn't fully comprehend. But maybe it's something that I'll understand a little bit more the second or third time I see. Yeah. But I really liked it. It just. It gave a lot of really small things that just added accent to the rest of the series, and that's what I appreciated about this movie. I th- and I'm I'm B plus A minus. I have been shitting on this movie for a year because I just didn't think it was necessary. Um, many people are probably expecting me to give this an F or a D, <laughs> and I'm not going to. It did a lot of things that were good. Uh, I'm going to give it a solid C. It is an average movie, but it's a hell of a lot better than what I thought it was going to be. And the reason why is because, again, if I look, my perspective on this entire series was I was going to grade each movie based on how it fits in the series. And this piece right here is the Jabba the Hutt scene of Return of the Jedi. And that if you cut it away, you're not missing anything. Yeah. And if it wants... Here's the thing. If it was a true spinoff movie, it would stand on its own without having to worry about the episodes. 
but it chose, it made a choice to tie directly in You're at right. the very end. And when it did that, you, you, you just lost a lot in my eyes yeah. because you introduced an entire group of people in, in, then in two hours, they're all gone. And the only people you really give a shit about are the ones that you're going to see in the original trilogy anyway. Yeah. So I have to give it an average grade. And it's why we could, I could, I could see why my, our friend at the movie theater was sitting there going, I didn't like it. Yeah. I, and it, I don't think it was just because he was sitting next to a kid that would shut the fuck up. <laughs> but there were some issues with this. And, uh, but at the same time, it could have been a lot worse. Right. And that Darth Vader scene at the end saves it in my it eyes. Uh, so I'm giving it a C. That's not to say that it's an awful movie. It means it's an average movie. And if it was the only Star Wars movie, I will say this. If it was the only Star Wars movie, I would give this a B-plus potential if I didn't know what was coming up next. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because it left it with a great cliffhanger, and you're going, I can't wait to see the next movie. If this was the only one, it's a B-plus, A-minus. But yeah. it jammed itself into a sandwich. You know, it's funny that you say it depends on what you're grading it on. Mm -hmm. Because if I were saying in the movie universe, yeah. do I think that it's an A minus? No, I would give an A minus to something like Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. And this doesn't compare to Goodwill Hunting. No. But in my mind, we've ranked every single one of these movies so far. And well, I'm saying, it, well, it's not as good as Jedi. But I would watch it more than I would watch Empire, and yeah. I gave that a B, B plus, so I guess I have to give it an A minus. It's why we think of it in the science fantasy genre, because yeah, we can't yeah. compare comedies and horror movies. We can't compare dramas and comedies. It's just not going to happen. Right. But if we could just do it by genre, all of a sudden it works. We can compare Star Wars, a Star Wars movie, to a Lord of the Rings movie, because they're both fantasies. Whoa. Trust me, the Lord of the Rings wants to be higher than this. Yeah. I love, the, I love to... Star Wars more than Lord of the Rings, but I would grade the Lord of the Rings movies higher. Because they're, they're better, really they're, well they're better built together. Yeah. Well, that's all I got time for today, Movie Planeteers. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to pass the word on to your friends about the show. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify, and help the show get on its feet with a four- or five-star review. Tweet with any questions, comments, theories, and I'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to at MoviePlanetPod, and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. Special thanks to Twisterium and SoundJ Music for providing our intro music and our ending music. Thanks for listening, and happy movie watching. <laughs>